0: We're right in the thick of it, right in the midst of one of the biggest cult-related trials in recent times. Scientology's Danny Masterson, who you may know as the curly-haired, glasses-wearing hippie from the sitcom That 70s Show, is facing life in prison after several women have come forward alleging that he violently raped them. All sorts of lurid details are being discussed at the trial at the moment. Now, why is this important on the grand scheme of things? Well, Scientology is one of the last big surviving cults, one that tears families apart, ruins its members financially, and humiliates them with degrading punishments. It also coerces them into staying, and the only reason it's able to exist in its current state is by being tax-exempt in the United States. As a religion, they don't pay. It's like a charity. That tax-exempt status hangs by a thread and was enforced in the 1990s after Scientology forced the IRS's hand by bullying them. It's quite extraordinary, and we'll talk about that a little later today. Today's guest, Aaron Smith-Levin, is a former Scientologist and takes us through Scientology's involvement in the trial. If they are found to have had any criminal involvement, that might spell the end for their tax exemption and therefore the end of Scientology. Erin will tell us about Tom Cruise's feelings about Masterson and we'll learn about founder L. Ron Hubbard and its current leader David Miscavige who doesn't sound like a very nice fella. We did this as a live stream on YouTube um, just a night ago and had thousands of people tuning in. I think it's because this is such a big story and yet isn't being covered. All that much by the mainstream media and big outlets so this is the place you'll be hearing updates about the danny masterson trial and potentially the beginning of the end of scientology i just hope they don't fair game me as they call it which means come after me that might be why much of the media is not covering it in so much detail but i'm going full steam ahead who who knows well where this will lead and what will happen from everything we're splitting this into two episodes today and tomorrow because we spoke for nearly two hours about all the ramifications do follow my guest aaron smith levin on growing up in scientology his booming successful youtube channel you'll also find us both on twitter please support this show on patreon.com andrew gold if you're enjoying the work i'm doing big, big, big guests coming up on the show, such as Michael Shermer, to talk about why we believe in conspiracy theories and why some of them turn out to be true. Michael is the uh, founder of Skeptic Magazine, a a huge uh, name, a big publication. But now you're on the edge of Scientology and the trial that could spell its end with Aaron Smith-Levin.
1: Like we are live, and I just want to get right into it talking about the Danny Masterson trial. And I want to talk about something that came up yesterday that was incredible, and I can only imagine the impact this had on the jury. And this, and I'm talking about the fact that Scientology's own lawyer, Kendrick Moxon, who not only is he their lawyer, he is a Scientologist, he's OT8. Both of his children were born and raised in Scientology. He turned them over to the C organization. Both of his kids worked in the C organization. He personally showed up to Jane Doe One's house and spoke with her father in front of her and said, we're going to try and work out a deal so that your father doesn't have to lose his daughter the way I did. Oh, What does that mean? it means a hell of a lot more than the jury thinks it means. Because up until now, the jury's been hearing about Scientology um, as far as uh, prohibiting victims from going to the authorities, uh, that the penalties are expulsion, that you'll lose your family members. So when Ken Moxon says, we don't want you to lose your daughter like I did, jurors are going to think, oh, his daughter must have gotten kicked out of Scientology. It's so much worse than that. Kendrick Moxon's daughter was a Sea Org member at the Scientology's international management base working under David Miscavige. She ended her own life at the international base. She literally, as they say these days, unalived herself on Scientology's international at Scientology's international base after working there for years and years and years. This is a place that Scientologists believe is like a utopia. What could be better working at a Sea Org base where everyone's a Scientologist, you're in the middle of nowhere, you're in the middle of the desert. There's no, no no demand, no one kicking and screaming and demanding your time. And conditions at the international base were so horrible and so abusive that this second generation member uh, got to the point that she just couldn't take it anymore. And uh, so.
0: So is the suggestion from this lawyer then, you know, let's sign a deal. Otherwise, we're going to harass her to within an inch of her life.
1: It could certainly be interpreted that way. I don't literally interpret it that way. But when these victims are on the stand talking about the threat of disconnection and what that really means and how that really affects your life, I think it's very telling that Kendrick Moxon was equating... What Jane Doe one being declared, he was equating her being declared and losing her family to his own daughter literally being dead. Wow. That's and that I know has been lost on the jury because um, because how would the jury know? The jury doesn't know Kendrick Moxon's daughter is dead. They don't know she used to be a CERC member. They don't know she worked at the international base. They don't know what happened. And I think there's no way the judge would let the prosecutor uh, try to bring that out. Like Kendrick Moxon and what happened to his daughter doesn't have any direct relevance to Danny Masterson and his victims. But I just could, it's some of these tidbits that comes out in, in the trial that only people who know, know what that really means. Yeah. And um, I was just um, blown away. And, you know, the reporting that Tony Ortega is doing on the underground bunker, he's able to fill in some of these gaps. Uh, f- you know, he wasn't in Scientology, but he's been reporting on it for so long that he understands some of this nuance that your average Scientology watcher doesn't understand. Um, and uh, but like I literally when I was in the C organization, I know the people who found Stacy's body. I know the people who found her the note that she left behind. I know the people who were busted, got in trouble for um, the legal flap that was created potentially by what occurred. And here's where it gets even more disgusting, honestly, is I truly believe that Scientology has never been honest with Kendrick Moxon about what happened to his daughter. Because publicly, Scientology says that this was an, a work accident that she was on the electrical team. And um, they literally say she ran into this high voltage room to rescue a squirrel that she saw running in there. Like, their stories are so stupid. Oh, wow. Wow.
0: (laughs) But yeah, it it also, I suppose this whole story, the fact that the lawyer said that shows, I suppose, I guess, is it a Scientology attitude of just stopping? There's, There's no place you wouldn't go to emotionally manipulate someone.
1: Oh, without question. There's no place. There's no place. Um, to, to a hardcore dyed-in-the-wool Scientologist, um, nothing could be more important than um, forwarding the aims of Scientology and protecting Scientology. Um, so that was just one thing. I literally just mm. published um, a 15-minute video that, that ended literally the moment before we started this where I discussed it in the video. But I haven't discussed it anywhere else yet, and I figured – incredible. It's um, incredible. wow. E- wow. Yeah. And so, and, and so what
0: is, I suppose we should go into a little recap just for anyone approaching this video who, who, who doesn't know
1: about who Danny Masterson is, uh, and what's going on. So Danny Masterson is a Scientologist. Um, he's uh, born and raised in Scientology, uh, along with his two brothers and his sisters. So Danny Masterson, Chris Masterson, Jordan Masterson, and Alana Masterson all successful actors, all born and raised in Scientology. Malcolm Danny, in the Middle. Malcolm one in the of, Middle. I, I
0: didn't realize. Yeah. It's the, yes. the older brother who's like always in trouble. And he's a, what, like a, he's a military service or something like that. He's a, a, one of the mastersons.
1: Yeah. Well, and and was, I've actually never seen the show, believe it or not. Ah. <laughs> that's what, The last time you couldn't... and I spoke, I was trying to remember the name of that show. I couldn't remember it. That's right. Um, But so Danny, um, I think the first time was in 2001. There there are seven or eight women who have actually come forward and said they have been attacked sexually by Danny. Uh, Three charges have been brought against Danny for three of those women. All three of them are Scientologists. And the reason Scientology is coming into this case is because uh, Scientology has strict rules against reporting other Scientologists to the authorities. And normally when you have a sexual assault case like this that comes up after 20 years, uh, it can be extremely hard to put a case together. And in this case, Scientology is both the reason these women didn't come forward sooner, and it is also the reason that the prosecutors are able to put a case together because Scientology requires members to write reports on each other, uh, very explicit written reports on any perceived ethical violations. Now, what Danny did in the world of Scientology is most certainly an ethical violation. Like, you know, Scientologists don't look kindly upon this kind of stuff, even though they don't report it to the authorities, you're still considered an absolute piece of garbage if you do something like this. So there's tons of reports that were written by maybe a dozen or more people who were knowledgeable about what happened. And the fact that these reports exist and that the master Masterson's victims have such reports uh their parents have such reports uh it, it, it's part of why the prosecution has been able to even bring a case in the first place so if anyone's wondering why does this case all seem to be about Scientology 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 it's because it's both the reason they took forever to come forward and it's the reason the case was able to be brought uh in the first place which is unbelievably it ironic it is I, I gather that Scientology, you know, they obviously don't live by the
0: same morals as as we do, particularly around things like homosexuality. It's not supposed to happen really there. That's one example. Uh, What is, you know, uh, violent rape within the community? How is that seen?
1: I mean, it would be seen as negatively as any other normal part of society. The difference in, um, like when I was in this organization in Los Angeles, I was aware of Scientologists who had uh, committed such crimes, not only with adults, but also with people who are not adults, younger than the I adult see. age. And the only reason I was aware of it is because these people were in an awful lot of trouble and, you know, uh, heads on the chopping bo- blocks to possibly be expelled. Okay. Uh, now, in none of those instances was reporting this to the authorities even on the table. Like it's just literally never an option. Uh, the organization doesn't want that kind of exposure and, you know, uh, so uh, the, the very problematic nature of how Scientology addresses these things is it's part of the Scientology philosophy that you as a spiritual being are fundamentally the cause of pretty much everything that happens anywhere to anyone at any time. You just don't really know how. So if you were to... Uh, assault me, and I would go to the ethics officer and I say, Andrew assaulted me, you would get in trouble. But later on in my auditing, in my Scientology counseling, I would be required to like spiritually examine myself and my history to realize what I had done to open myself up to that happening to me. It's the ultimate form of victim blaming Mm -hmm. it's like spiritual victim blaming and by the way when when scientology says what did you do to bring you know bring that onto yourself they're not talking about how short was your dress or something they could be talking about you yourself did that to someone else a million years ago in another galaxy i see yeah (laughs) I, I had um, Mike Rinder
0: on recently, and I'm reading his book, A Billion Years. Obviously, for those who don't know, Mike Rinder was in the Sea Org as well, and it was very high up, I believe. Uh, and he spoke about that as well, this sort of uh, victim-blaming thing. But he said that it, it's, it applies to everybody except for L. Ron Hubbard and I think Tom Cruise <laughs> and David Miscavige, because L. Ron Hubbard had plenty of problems himself, and um, it was never his
1: fault, right? It's true. It's one of those contradictions baked into Scientology that – that Scientologists, when they're in that bubble, it never quite occurs to them that, well, this doesn't really make sense, right? Because Hubbard's yeah. sitting there going, when Scientology is attacked in the press or in the courts or whatever, it's because the evil, big, bad, suppressive people just can't stand that we're freeing, freeing mankind from the eternal trap or whatever. It's never, what did we do to bring that onto ourselves? <laughs> well, well, it is. It's, it, they do ask that question. It's just, what we've done is we've been so awesome. We're just (laughs) (laughs) we're just so awesome uh, that the the suppressive influences Mm. on this planet cannot help but to attack us. Yeah. So it's true. That whole what did you do to pull it in doesn't apply to Miscavige, Hubbard, Scientology, Tom Cruise. It applies to everybody. uh, Everybody else.
0: So it's extraordinary, really, the the cognitive dissonance there. But then so does that mean then that these these victims and there were seven or eight that that, that's who's come forward? I mean, it could be it could be more it might not be I don't you know, I don't mean to speculate. Um, But that means that they will have maybe not initially, but after time been treated as though they had done things and needed to be audited.
1: Oh, one hundred percent. That wouldn't even be considered punitive in the world of Scientology. That's what they that's the part they actually consider to be therapeutic. This is where it gets to be a real mind fuck, to be honest. Oh. Like, like if I'm a victim of sexual assault in Scientology and I go and report it, I don't necessarily, literally myself get in trouble. I might depends on who I'm accusing, depends on what the circumstances were. But even if I don't get in trouble per se, I am still, after the fact, therapeutically, in auditing, going to, uh, going to have to confront what I did to make that happen to myself, and I would not be considered in Scientology healed or over it, or it wouldn't even be considered resolved until I had figured out how I was in fact 100% responsible for it and felt good about it. Like th- and felt good about it. That's like insane. I had no negative emotions associated with the event anymore. I did I wasn't angry or upset. I, I didn't I wasn't out for revenge. If I have any of those negative emotions, I'm still considered to not have fully confronted what my responsibility was. In fact, the, the basic Scientology principle that Hubbard says is anything about which you are feeling negative emotions is something you have not taken full responsibility for. Just imagine how that fucks with Scientologist minds. Man, and didn't apply
0: to him. Just the hypocrisy, the madness. And and I should just say we're 13 minutes in and we should introduce ourselves a little bit for those just joining. Uh, Aaron Smith-Levin is a ex-Scientologist with a fantastic channel growing up in Scientology. You're here now, so you know that. And I'm Andrew Gold. My channel's On The Edge With Andrew Gold to talk about cults and extreme ideologies and how we get there and all those kinds of things. And we're discussing Danny Masterson and his you know trial allegations. I don't want to use that R word too often lest this video be taken down or demonetized but talking about bringing it on oneself i did read that the the lawyer was sort of trying that i suppose it was the scientology lawyer or or, or, um um, danny's defense lawyer uh was suggesting there was like that she had drunk one of a a person a victim known as gen b had had drunk a lot and had urinated in the street have you
1: read about that was that today because that wasn't yesterday it, it was either was
0: today, today or yesterday or I just so saw recently. So I read
1: yeah. all of the transcripts from yesterday and uh, that wasn't in there. But but as, as of the end of yesterday, they had only uh, just begun maybe an hour or two of the cross examination. And I haven't looked mm-hmm. at any of the updates for today. Um, okay. But yep. so some outlets are just reporting her as Jane Doe 1. Some outlets are reporting her as Gen B. That's so strange. I mean, I know who yeah. the person is. Oh, so, okay. Oh, I do know who the person is. Um, So uh, Danny's team's entire defense is just to... I mean, you'll notice if you look at the witness list, there's really nobody on the witness list there to speak in Danny's defense. Uh, their Ooh. whole strategy is to make it seem that the women have colluded, that their stories have changed over the years, that they're just uh, bitter that Danny's no longer going out with them, or now they're out for fame and you know um uh, more than one uh, one of the victims in particular appeared on an episode of the scientology and the aftermath show it was the, the the season three finale um but the other two didn't so anyhow i haven't seen the update on what the defense attorney has been saying today but <laughs> what, urinating in the street you said
0: yeah. So it was, um, I'm just looking at it again. Um, d- 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 I guess I
1: could pull it up here too.
0: Yeah. Well, apparently it was in violation of rules surrounding a person's past sexual history. I suppose they're supposed to be relevant. Um, and it was Cohen, the, the lawyer. So I, I guess that's Danny's lawyer who asked Jen B, uh, about whether or not she urinated in the street in 2003 due to alcohol intake. Uh, so th- and that caused quite a kerfuffle in the courts because you're not supposed to ask those people. And then there was a suggestion from the other side: well, if she was intoxicated, that uh, that, that it might have been uh, Masterson, you know, doing a, a Bill Cosby, let's say.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, in every th- in in each of the three cases that Danny is facing, it involves providing substances that affect affected the mental state of wow. the women. Oh yeah. I mean, it really is. um, Did you see the notes on the, the, the the second day of testimony where um, she, she was telling her whole story. I mean, and, and Danny Masterson's family is right there in the front row and she's telling this story and they're walking her through the house with photos. And she's saying, this is where this happened and this is where that happened. And, you know, she's breaking down crying. I mean, uh, Jane Doe one does not suffer from credibility problems. Um, that there was no part of her testimony that seemed contrived, or you know, missing information or contrary contrary facts. It was unbelievably credible. Uh, wow. Yeah. And there was yeah. talk of you know strangulation and stuff, right? Yeah, I got to tell you, what she testified to was even worse than what I had previously read. You know, It's been a little hard because some um, places that report on this use uh, – they've been getting the stories mixed up. Some have called them victim A, B, and C, Jane Doe 1, 2, and 3, and some stories have misattributed the A, B, and C and the 1, 2, and 3 to the wrong women and everything. So it's been ah. a little bit of a challenge to keep uh, each story uh, separate from each other. The, the story she ended up telling was so unbelievably compelling and horrific and vivid. She was so effective – up there on the stand, like you felt like you were there, unfortunately, because it was horrible. And, um, you know, to think, uh, you you know, Chris Wadhams and Luke Watson, and I'm mentioning these people. So, you know, Danny as a celebrity, uh, when he does his Scientology, he does it at the Celebrity Center in Los Angeles. And the office of the celebrity center, responsible for you know dealing with the celebrities, making sure they're happy, taking care of their affairs, is the president's office. And the president at that time was Susan Watson, and her son is Luke Watson. And Luke Watson was uh, present in Danny's house during this attack wow. on Jane Doe One. Even tried to prevent Danny from taking her upstairs in the first place. Wow! And then even. Uh, interrupted, knocked on the bedroom door, banged on the bedroom door at one point during the attack. This is where the firearm came into play. And um, and then afterwards, after the attack, um, he said, we're going right to the president's office to get um, get, you know, start getting this sorted out. I am still completely mystified as to how none of the Scientology staff, at the Celebrity Center are on the witness list. I can only speculate as to why that is. Um, no one seems to have commented. No, I haven't seen anyone comment as to why no one on the Scientology side of the equation, the Scientology staff, Sea Org member side of the equation, is on the witness list. And yet Lisa Marie Presley is. So, uh, anyhow, the testimony yesterday was even more powerful than I expected it to be. And, wow. uh, and How much can you go into
0: one. without, I suppose, you know, upsetting people or again, you know, falling foul of YouTube rules
1: as far as your testimony? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like none of it. <laughs> 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 let, let me, I mean, I'll do my best, but honestly, um, uh, the, the only like real time source of reporting on the testimony right now is being done over at the underground uh, bunker by Tony Ortega. So uh, I do encourage anyone to um, to check that out. Uh, so, okay, the story, let me try to do this justice. She was basically over at Danny Masterson's house with maybe 20 other people. She was hmm. outside chatting with um, her friend uh, Luke and drinking a very small drink and smoking a cigarette. Hadn't even had maybe half the drink. And Dana basically came out and said, hey, people are getting into the, the hot tub. You need to get into the hot tub. And she was like, no, we're talking. I don't want to. Luke was like, no, we're talking. I don't want to. And Dana basically physically uh, grabbed her, pulled her, picked her up. And mm-hmm. at this point, she didn't realize how um, what's a compromised physically this drink had made her until she started to try to fight back and pull back against Danny. She found she had no strength. She didn't know what was going on. Oh my on. God so she's like disoriented she like you know she did an excellent job uh, explaining uh, how this felt and she was basically powerless to fight back so he, he literally picked her up and threw her into this hot tub where I, if i recall correctly two other people were there and so then she started to get more and more out of it she realized she couldn't really see the other two people that was there uh, that were in the hot tub with her hmm. and eventually uh, he took her out of the hot tub and started to carry her upstairs and Luke said oh cuz she said she had she was going to be sick she felt like she was going to to vomit
0: Hey it's Andrew if you're enjoying Heretics there's another podcast I want to recommend to you especially if climate change global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Vava Lucas alison schrager if you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people join them every wednesday on what could go right available wherever
1: you get your podcasts
0: would everyone there have been scientologists or do do they tend to mix with non-scientologists
1: it wouldn't have been everyone um uh, scientologists particularly in danny's crowd um uh, hang out with non Scientologists all the time. Remember, Danny's a working actor. He's working on that '70s show. Uh, uh, most of the other actors on that show are non Scientologists. There's a, you know, Danny was a Scientologist to the degree that he was born and raised in Scientology. To the degree that he would go into course every now and then, but you'd be hard pressed to call him a good Scientologist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like there might be an argument to be made here on what does it really mean to be a Scientologist, and was Danny really a Scientologist? He's like a secular Um, one. Yeah, it's like he was born into it, but he never really walked the walk. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's not like... He was never out there setting a good example. That's a good... He was never out there setting a good example of what it meant to be a Scientologist. You know what I mean? Like he was always the kind of guy getting in trouble, doing drugs, that kind of stuff. Okay. So uh, there would have been maybe half the people there were Scientologists just based on the names that she threw out uh, on the stand. And so when Luke saw that danny was trying to bring her upstairs he actually st- intervened and said no it's better if i do it and danny was like no she's my homie man i would never do that and this is the point where jane dobrook started to break down on the stand oh. and uh and so then i'm i I'd, I'd rather not try to detail what happened next because it's just it's really I the way she described it the way it was reported i mean as i was reading i just felt like i was watching a movie just the most Horrific scene in, in a movie. And, and, and that's without me being there. That's just me reading what was being reported. She, she did such a good job um, and and hung in there. And, um, yeah. You know, I covered some of it in the video that I posted about, you know, 30 minutes ago. But, but really, I would just encourage people to check out um, the Underground Bunker blog for the details. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think. By the end of her testimony... She had told all the details of the attack. She, she was picked up. Um, she immediately told a handful of Scientologists and even some non-Scientologists. So every Scientologist that she told is someone that would have been compelled to write their own detailed written report about what they were told. And this is where... Danny Masterson is really screwed. I mean, it's it's just a gift to the prosecution that Scientology requires its members to snitch on each other in this in this way. Um, so yeah. you'd have thought that burn burn it all. Do you do you, Aaron? I mean, when you speak about it, you speak about
0: it with a lot of emotion, and that's not surprising because, of course, it's emotional to all of us, and it's a very visceral thing. Is is there any part of you that feels guilt for your own time uh, having been in Scientology? Do you think about how you might have reacted? Uh, had you still been in Scientology,
1: how I would have reacted? Well, as uh, when I was in Scientology, I definitely that there are fundamental Scientology beliefs that justify uh, very, very well the never involving the authorities. Um, I would not have been felt. I would not have felt guilty at that time as a Scientologist, as a Org member, in, e- even if I had played a role in, in convincing the victims not to go to the authorities. That would have felt completely justified. That's perfectly normal to any uh, Scientologist. Um, do you want me to actually paint the picture as to how they justify that? Yeah, why not? So Scientologists believe that um, the only reason any human being behaves destructively is their reactive mind which is hubbard's version of the subconscious mind right and they believe that dianetics and scientology auditing procedures is the only possible way to erase the reactive mind Uh, they believe that punishment is sort of only something that one resorts to if they don't understand that the reactive mind is the cause of these things and that scientology can fix that problem And they believe that the the prison system, the justice system is designed just to punish and that that sort of punishment actually sort of inflames the reactive mind into greater action, right? That it's sort of a dwindling spiral, right? And that only Scientology has the tools needed to fix the reactive mind and cause the source of this bad behavior in the first place. So to a Scientologist, they would go, you know, involving the police is a very uh, wog to do. Wog is Scientology's word for non-Scientologists. Only wogs think that way because true Scientologists, you know Tom Cruise's famous little video He's like, you see a car accident, you know you're the only one who can help. This is what he means. Only a Scientologist can fix the part of the reactive mind that's gonna cause that car accident to have lingering effects on that person. So a Scientologist in the case of one of these attacks would go, you know, only a WOG would think to involve the police and try to get this person sent to jail because that's just punishment and that doesn't fix the problem. Only Scientology can fix the problem. So that's why everyone around these Scientologists would be convincing them to just handle it with Scientology. Now, of course, there's the underhanded motive of, so we don't create any problems for the organization but i'm pointing out that even if you didn't particularly care about protecting the organization a scientologist who really believed would still think that the best thing to do is to handle it with auditing hmm. and that once that was resolved once auditing fixed the problem let's say auditing fixed danny which it never could but you know then danny would have to make up the damage you know Maybe still give her a bunch of money, just whatever, maybe help her out in other various ways, professionally, personally, whatever making up the damage would mean here. Hmm. And then eventually, it would all be good. We're all fair and square. His problem was fixed with auditing. Her trauma was fixed with auditing. Uh, nobody got any bad press. That would be considered a good day in the world of Scientology. So that's well, interesting, it, right? So Yeah. I was just going to say, it is awful.
0: But there are places where it would be even worse, you know, obviously having investigated cults for a long time. I mean, the Jehovah's Witnesses, there's this, the, the two-witness rule, although this would work. I mean, it only happened if two people were witnessing it, although that, that would be applicable for this case because so many sorts of did, although they weren't in the room, I suppose. Uh, and then we know about all sorts of religions that would just completely hide it and do nothing. So, I mean, at least Scientology tries to take care of it internally. I don't mean to, I'm not trying to compliment or defend Scientology, but I've heard even more egregious uh, examples of how religions and cults handle these kinds of things.
1: It's true. It's true. Uh, you know, you mentioned you spoke to Mike Rinder the other day. He did an interview mm-hmm. with Megyn Kelly a couple of weeks ago where she she pointed out something similar. She's like, you know, there are some aspects of Scientology that are kind of you know, re- that seems sort of positive and helpful. Like you can do anything, um, you know, y- y- you can fix anything, you can do anything, you can accomplish anything. You believe you have the tools to improve anything, and that's that can be a very positive and powerful message. And and yeah. there and there are like if Scientology was all bad all the time, right? For from the beginning, nobody would ever join. There clearly has to be something there that acts as the hook and keeps people around. And yeah. then the longer you're there, and the more money you spend, and the higher up you go, uh, the more influence Scientology has in every area of your life. But yeah, I mean, if you were to compare it to, um, you know, things that happen in the Roman Catholic Church, I mean, other than telling people to pray to God or just pray on it, I have no idea what they would consider to be resolution. Uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. And this is something that gives Scientologists this sort of feeling of superiority over not just non-Scientologists, but all other religions, is they believe they have the tools. They have the tech, is the buzzword yeah. that you'll hear Scientologists use. We've got yes. the tech. Use the tech. Use the tech.
0: <laughs> the tech. Well, also, also, I mean, I'd, I'd even go further. And again, I don't want to sound like, like we're about to join Scientology. But of course, I mean, there's that famous Tom Cruise, Matt Lauer interview where, where Tom Cruise looks insane. But he, and he's, he's, he's dismissing psychology, and I think wrongly, but there are grains of truth because there is sometimes an over-reliance on it. There's an over-reliance on prescription of drugs, particularly for children, uh, particularly, you know, people talk about Ritalin and uh, ADHD and all these kinds of things. They're, they're, you know, these are all things that are quite possibly true. The idea that you were talking about before about prisons being used to punish uh, rather than reform, that is also a debate to be had. You know, there are way too many people in prison. I think 10% of them are actually innocent. So there are actually loads of things uh, that are you know, and that's I think that's the mark of a, a popular, successful cult is that you start with grains of truth and then you hide some of the madder uh, more horrible stuff behind it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hubbard was really good at starting with grains of truth. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, I mean, really you don't merciful. have
1: to be an idiot to fall for Scientology. In fact, it's part of how I try to tell Scientology mm-hmm. stories is telling them in a way where someone can understand. Oh shit, I could see how that. That might have happened to me. I feel like if you tell a story and someone goes, wow, you have to be a real idiot to to believe for that, then the story probably hasn't been told correctly. (laughs) Because there's a lot of really intelligent people. Go ahead.
0: I always say that the people who say you must be an idiot to fall for it are probably the ones most likely to fall into any kind of cult. Co- you know, re- I think you really have to have an understanding that you know, I, I th- say to myself every day because I'm interviewing about cults. Like every day I'm t- saying to myself, I could fall for a cult. I could be in maybe not a cult but an extreme ideology I don't realize about. I could be wrong about so much stuff. You have to constantly remind yourself of that, I think.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, I'll tell you, look, there's not a single Scientologist – on earth who thinks they're in a cult i, I, I mm. mean uh, they'd laugh at you they just laugh at you uh it, it's it, it's called a blind spot for a reason if you knew it was there yeah. it wouldn't be a blind spot
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and, and often it is the most intelligent people the more intelligent you are i think the better you are at being able to make these stories fit with your confirmation bias and that kind of thing
1: i think that really might be a part of it that perhaps the the more intelligent you are the more you're convinced you couldn't possibly be being suckered by something like this. So you don't even see it coming. It is your blind spot. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you can create a better story around it. But anyway, let's get back to this um, story. Because I heard, and again, I don't know if this is today, I don't know if you've read this yet, that Jen B wasn't able to call her father. It sounds almost like a, a kind of kidnapping or something. Um, and she had to lie and, and say that she wanted to call him to wish him happy birthday. She had to say this to, I think, to Danny Masterson.
1: So I remember reading yesterday, it was the night of the attack, she was supposed to be at her father's birthday party the next morning, but she was so out of it, she didn't actually fully come to until after noon, and so she basically totally bailed, unintentionally obviously on her father's birthday party but the next day or that day they were all flying to clearwater florida where i am now uh because apparently her father just enjoyed spending a week in clearwater on his birthday every year which i find Mm. very hard to understand (laughs) (laughs) is the father um
0: in scientology are all the victims were they in scientology
1: yes And and yes and the parents and the parents although actually so there's one victim who has been publicly named that's chrissy bixler chrissy okay. um, chrissy and, and her parents are not scientologists uh she got into scientology as a, a late teen possibly even through dating danny masterson um but the other two the other two victims are scientologists second generation Sciento- were scientologists second generation scientologists Right, right. And, and
0: why has this taken decades to,
1: to come to being? So, in the first place, it was because Scientologists simply don't even consider reporting something to the authorities. Also, these victims did not know about each other. And it wasn't until they found out that they weren't the only ones that they um, were like, oh, maybe it wasn't just me. It's actually Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And then decided to come forward. Now, beyond that, it's taken five years for this even to come to trial. So that's the other thing. You know, they want to say 20 years ago. You're like, well, it wasn't 20 years ago when this process started, you know, um, which is really ironic. That the defense team was complaining that so much time had passed that you could no longer trust the victim's memories, and yet at the same time kept trying to delay the trial and delay the trial and delay the trial. And the judge even had to point out to them um, the irony of them insisting on delaying the trial while also complaining that too much time had passed since the incidents that was kind of humorous uh,
0: well they were doing it on purpose i guess and mike rinder hey, again in his book he, he writes that you know you would you would do everything in your power to just even if you're going to lose something like this you do everything in your power to make it as difficult as possible for
1: everybody to get it done uh 100 percent, 100 percent. now one of the last questions you asked me is how would i feel um guilty about um did i do you feel like i did i finish answering that question did you feel like you got that answer
0: is there more you want to say?
1: No, I just want to make sure if there, if, if there was a natural follow-up question to that that you had in mind, because now when I was in this organization, my job wasn't to deal with ethics and justice matters like this. And even though that wasn't my job, I can still tell you that if it had been, there would have been no guilt and no remorse. I mean, now there would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but by the way, and I think we might have mentioned this in our first chat, but I'm sure many people didn't see that there are even other victims that haven't come forward so when when my my wife and i were in the c organization she did have one of these posts where she was someone that people could come to when they couldn't get help anywhere else and when all of this started to come to light publicly you know my wife did tell me that there there was someone else who she was aware of had been attacked by danny who had come forward in scientology but she's still in scientology and therefore has never come out publicly um and so we did give her name to the police so that they could see if they could convince that woman to come forward but to the best of my knowledge they weren't able to so it's like honestly people might go oh it's three victims it's not three it's it's at least seven or eight and and really god only knows how many more you know if you see seven or eight why why should we assume that's all there is
0: with regards to the guilt question, it is something I struggle with. I often interview people who were in cults, and it's really—it's a funny thing to talk. Let's say to Mike Rinder, who we know has done some quite bad things. In particular, I think because he was so high up, um, and to talk about them and to laugh about them—the Scientologists—knowing that for a long time he was the person implementing these things. I mean, it reminds me of—I uh, used to live in Argentina, and they always talk about how the the Spanish came over and killed all the indigenous people and it's like oh those horrible spanish people and all the argentines are white and you're like well hang on (laughs) like that was you that wasn't the other people who came to kill you if they killed you you wouldn't be set you wouldn't be here to tell the story it's amazing how our minds sort of now we're on the other side i mean how has that been for you that that, i guess that's the question i want to ask all uh, former scientologists
1: i was sort of fortunate in the sense that it was never my job to Uh, separate people from their money or Mm. separate people from their family or to uh, prevent people from seeking justice. I'm fortunate in that regard. My job pretty much the entire time I worked for Scientology was to simply deliver Scientology auditing or training to people who someone else had already convinced to pay for it and someone else had already convinced them to come in and do it. And my job was yeah. just to give it to them. That's almost like I had the easy job. <laughs> I didn't have to recruit people for staff. I didn't have to recruit people to uh, join Scientology. Um, and so, but I can think of another gentleman. His name's High uh, High Levy or High Levy. He's not with us anymore. He, he passed away of natural causes. But he is one of these guys who was one of Scientology's biggest fundraisers. Um, uh, you know, he he separated people from tens or hundreds of millions of dollars during his tenure working for Scientology. And at the end of his life, he did leave Scientology. And he was immensely remorseful for how many people he had helped bankrupt by not only taking everything they had, but then over-leveraging through credit cards and lines of credit and second and third mortgages and all this kind of stuff. So... Um, you know unless i have my own blind spot which i won't claim i don't have because if i did i wouldn't know it was there um i i was fortunate not to have to be involved with much that i would need to be remorseful for mm. um so i guess that's my answer and then people can just determine for themselves whether i'm full of shit or not oh <laughs> i think that's fair enough and and tell tell me that i mean
0: we've got we've got we've got a long time left to talk about all about the trial and everything what what it why is Scientology a, a, a dangerous cult why why does it need for maybe shutting down compared to any other kind of religion
1: for me it has to do this is my personal take on it because I think people define cults in different ways and people have different opinions on this it has to do with how they destroy families um, and bankrupt their members with really more of an emphasis on the part about destroying families it's just disgusting uh, the way they dehumanize people by falling back on this, we're all seventy-six year old, uh, trillion year old spiritual beings and these bodies are meaningless and family ties are meaningless and generations are meaningless and this lifetime is, is meaningless. They're able to deprioritize uh, everything that would normally be important to a person in their life and then proceed to manipulate them hardcore from there right? Like, because this life and these bodies are unimportant, it doesn't matter if you disconnect from your kids. Uh, because this life and these bodies are unimportant, it doesn't matter if you uh, give us all the money that's in your kids' uh, college fund or your retirement accounts or... Because nothing in this lifetime even matters. I mean, just think about that. You just you deprioritize literally everything that's important. And, and, uh, and I'm talking about the effect on families here. It just allows yeah. them to destroy families. So, um, you know, Scientologists do genuinely believe that we are all immortal spiritual beings and that you can regain your spiritual immortality through scientology there's an argument that could be made that um if you were to remove all of the abusive practices of scientology that perhaps um it would just be kind of a bona fide religion even if you will like that argument could be made um mm. but at the same time scientology's behavior the behavior that you get from scientologists stems directly from what L. Ron Hubbard himself wrote. Like, it's not like Scientology behaves badly just because of some bad actors. It behaves badly because of what L. Ron Hubbard wrote. So can you really separate the abusive parts of Scientology from the more philosophical side of Scientology? Um, I think there's a very good argument to be made that you simply can't. So if we're just talking about normal faith, any of the world's major religions, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. those members will tell you that it's faith. Like that's... That's, that's an acceptable thing to fall back on. They say, it's just faith. You, we don't know if there's a heaven or hell. We take it on faith that there is. We don't know if this is how you get saved. We take it on faith that there is. In that sense, even though I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm much more atheist than I am anything else, I, uh, in that sense, uh, people like me might say, well, uh, Christianity is just as false as Scientology, but not if you take into consideration this faith aspect, because they're admitting they don't know, and they're acknowledging they're taking it on faith. See, Scientology is the opposite of that. Scientology does not consider itself to be a faith, and any Scientologist who says otherwise is just blowing smoke up your ass and trying to pass themselves off as Christian-like. Scientology Scientology tells its members, we have this bridge to total freedom. We have the exact steps laid out. L. Ron Hubbard finished it all before he died, and we've got it sitting in our vaults waiting for you once you've given us enough money. That is a lie. It's a bald-faced lie. Most Scientologists don't know that it's a lie. And so this is the true, you know, the true answer to the question well, what makes Scientology different? David Miscavige knows he's lying to every Scientologist when he says L. Mm. Ron Hubbard left behind OT nine and ten before he died. There's no OT nine and ten. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. They just keep making so, more.
1: That's right. So Miscavige is just literally every single day of his life, bald faced lying to every Scientologist in the world. And that's not true for like, let's say the Roman Catholic Pope. The Roman Catholic Pope does believe in a heaven. He does believe in the Bible. He does believe in the word of God. We think... Well, we we think, and and if he's wrong, you're not going to find out about it until you die. He's not literally lying to you, to the best of our knowledge, but David Miscavige is lying to you, and uh, and Elron Hubbard was lying to you, uh, and, and that's that's the difference.
0: Thank you so much to my knowledgeable guest Aaron Smith Levin. I'll get back to him soon to find out more about the trial of Danny Masterson and Scientology's involvement. Go support Aaron by subscribing to his Growing Up in Scientology channel on YouTube. Follow us both on Twitter and support this show if you're enjoying my work on patreon.com/slash Andrew Gold. Coming up soon is Michael Shermer, the Skeptic Magazine founder, talking about conspiracy theories and extreme belief. But first, come back tomorrow for part two on